Hello, it's Graham Crawshaw here again, and welcome to another of Casme's Pondering Procurement podcasts. And once again, delighted to be with a very special guest, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Sieber from uh, Gilead. So uh, welcome. Great to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So let's let's just start with some uh, some introductions so that uh, everyone gets to uh, to know. I think, uh, and even Gilead, I'd be fascinated to know a bit about the uh, the company. So where are you based? Tell us about yourself, Jennifer. Absolutely. So I've been with Gilead almost three years now, and in my current capacity, I'm the head of our global procurement systems data and insights team. I'm actually fully remote. So I'm remote out of the Chicagoland area. And my my team is based all over the world, which is exciting. My leadership actually sits in our headquarter location in Foster City, California, which is just outside of San Francisco. So we have a great team. It's it's global, has a great reach. But again, our, our headquarter locations in Gilead is, is centered around that Foster City location in California. Excellent, thank you. And and if anyone's not familiar, what uh, tell us about Gilead? What do what do you do? So Gilead is is committed to advancing care for people around the world, really focusing on virology, oncology, and as well as inflammation. So very well well known in the market and industry as we look at transforming HIV. Also work within hepatitis C, B, and, and D when we look at those viruses. We've also been um, instrumental in, in fighting COVID-19. So, you know, a lot of different, different therapeutic areas, a lot of different medications and treatments that are available to our patients to, again, you know, create, to create a, better, a better world, a better life, and advancing that care for people around the world. Wow, I'm I'm sure everyone is very appreciative of the fact that you're doing this because it it sounds uh, incredibly uh, important. So uh, yeah, thank you for for explaining that. It's always uh, always good to uh, to know. We want to talk about successful implementation of digital transformation, and I must say, my sense is that every company seems to be doing some form of sort of digital transformation, and. It's it's quite a quite a challenge to to actually sort of start and and complete and um, and, and do well. What what's been your approach? Uh, let's start that uh, that that conversation. <laughs> what's your approach to successfully implement? What what are the what are the things? Where would you start? So that's the million dollar question, right? Mm. I mean, when I think about projects of of this size and scale, when you look at digital mm. and you look at transforming. An organization, I break it down into three components: our people, an impact on people, the process, understanding current state, and then our future state design, and then our solution architecture. And in order to be successful, it's really heavy focus on the people impact. So really making sure that we are bringing the individuals that are impacted along on the journey as we again lay out the current state process understand the maturity and assess the maturity, and then apply the appropriate future state design and roadmap that fits the needs of, of those business stakeholders. So again, really focus heavily upfront around people and process. And then once you have a good handle on that future state design, applying the appropriate solution architecture. What I've seen cause issues 
is where folks put the solution design and discussion ahead of process. And we have to slow people down and ensure that they're really taking the time to understand process. Again, current state and future state, applying appropriate industry benchmarking and best practices, and then applying that appropriate solution roadmap to aid in the execution of that of that process. Okay, excellent. And in terms of, I mean, you talk about sort of people, but what do, do you find that people are sort of hesitant? What are they excited for for this? Are they nervous? Where where do most people start when you you're talking about uh, sort of transformation? It's interesting. It depends on the individual, but you get a lot of different emotions. You get a lot mm. of folks that are excited and anxious. You get a lot of folks that are are nervous and, and scared because they don't know what they don't know. Change is, is difficult. And we all know change is constant, but we need to make sure that we're thoughtful in the change and our approach to change because it is constant. And folks run into a bit of fatigue because they're constantly being asked to do things differently. So it's taking the time to understand the individuals that are impacted. Now, you're not going to touch every individual in the organization, but having the right stakeholder model, segmenting those stakeholders, really honing in on those that are going to be impacted the most, and really creating those focus groups to get an idea of of where their head is at today, where their emotions are at today, and how you can ensure that they're, again, brought along on that journey And they, again, have the voice throughout the process and they helped mold the process. So when you get to that final state of deployment implementation, you already have those advocates built and they're those champions that are going to help drive your organizational change management. And that's that's extremely important to have those champions that are excited because at that point, at the end of the process where they've had a voice, they've been brought along on the journey, they should be excited about the opportunity, about the change. And that's going to drive excitement throughout their organization or throughout their department. And that's going to aid in in a better successful deployment, which you should see sustainment in it being the process being sustainable over time. Great. So how would you identify these these champions? Because I, I get the point. If you've got people embedded and are very enthusiastic because they've been part of the uh, the process, but is it easy to find these champions? Do they know a, that they're going to be a champion up front or is it evolve into that? So it depends on what you're deploying. If if you take Gilead as an example, we're deploying a new ERP solution. So we started with stakeholder segmentation of our current ERP data and said, who are the individuals that are creating the most purchase requisitions? Who are the individuals that are creating the most new supplier request? Who's approving invoices? And really started to narrow in on those individuals that are in the system most often, and then tried to, again, segment based on, based on that data. But that only gets you part of the way there. Those are the individuals that are creating the request, but they may be creating the request on behalf of someone else. So they may be in control of the creation, but there may be other influencers in the organization that also need to have a voice in the journey. So once you start with kind of that foundational information around who's spending time in the tool, the existing tool, who's creating the most PRs, new supply requests, et cetera, then you start to have conversations with those individuals and start to understand their their department, their function. What do they do? Why are they why are they purchasing certain things? Why are they creating PRs? And I'm just using the ERP as an example because you have to start 
having detailed conversations and asking the right questions to understand that department's need. And then from there, you can start building out your, your segmentation model and your stakeholder mapping, which is very important. You're going to have folks that are in control. You're going to have folks that are going to be influencers. You're going to have folks that are going to be resistors. And you need to know who those individuals are. And the best way to do that is to start having conversations and lots of conversations. <laughs> it does sound like that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, actually. I mean, I, we, we do so much in terms of, of, sort of technology, but it all does come down to people and having conversations and relationships and having them on uh, on side. How long a process would you say that is? How long would you typically allow for that uh, that that conversation, that getting people on board? Well, to be honest with you, I don't ever see it as a a start and end point, right? I mean, there's a starting point, obviously, mm. at the start of the project. And maybe I'd say it as there's there's no real true endpoint because even when you deploy the tool and you get into sustainment, you've got to continue to reinforce those positive behaviors and continue that dialogue and continue to advance and innovate over time. So to me, bringing those individuals on board at the beginning of the project and continue to work with them throughout the project, that doesn't stop once the project is complete and the, the tool is fully deployed. If you want to ensure a sustainable solution, those conversations have to be ongoing and you have to have a strong governance framework and communication plan to ensure you're reinforcing those positive behaviors. I would say on average, you know, I spend 80% of my time in discussions with team members that are impacted by the change, whether they be right. individuals that are in control of the, the actual activity, creating the PR or the leadership that has influence over the application or the activity. So at my level as a project lead and as an, a mega process lead for our ERP implementation, I spend a lot of time there. And that hasn't really changed since the beginning of the project two years ago. So I wouldn't say there's a finite amount of time or so many hours that I dedicate necessarily. It's really ongoing throughout, throughout the project. And then again, we've created a sustainment roadmap and a governance framework to ensure that we continue to have dialogue with the business, with the impacted stakeholders to ensure we're, we're listening and we're making adjustments as we go. Because technology continues to advance, our roles continue to advance, business continues to change. So we need to have that conversation ongoing to stay in lockstep with those, with those business changes. You mentioned that some people may not be supportive and I guess potentially sort of uh, re reacting against what you're you're trying to uh, do. Any advice on on winning people around? Really spending time with those individuals to understand what influences them. So, what really is driving that resistance? And really understanding is it because they have a project or an application that comes in conflict with that new solution or that new ERP? They're afraid that it's going to cause an increased amount of workload because they don't truly understand the, the efficiencies to be gained. Really just sitting down and helping, number one, them understand the process and understand the, the value this is going to deliver to the organization and truly the impact to them. But then also being a good listener and understanding why is it they're resisting the change and, and what's truly influencing that, right? Is it, again, tied to their performance? you know, something that they have identified as a project that they see may come in conflict. 
a potential efficiency issue. There's a lot of different things that come into play when folks are are resisting the change, but you just have to be a good listener and, and ask really strong, open-ended questions to allow them the space to explain, you know, why they're resisting. And there are situations, it's very limited, but there are situations you may need to escalate within that department and, and get to a level where you're having a leadership discussion around the true impact and then work with that leader to cascade the information and cascade the benefits um, throughout. But yeah, that doesn't usually happen. Escalations are not typical, right? That's the outlier. Mm-hmm. It's not the norm. So it's really being being a good listener. A lot, of, a lot yes. of time with folks discussing, talking it through, understanding the value, understanding the impact. A lot around organizational change management. And slowly winning them around from the sounds of it. But fascinating the importance of listening and uh, and taking on board everyone's views and uh, taking time with those uh, those conversations. You've spoken about creating this sustainable roadmap. Can you talk a bit more on, on that? What does that really look like? So within Global Procurement at Gilead, we have a roadmap that's built around the solutions we need to be successful today, but then into the future. We overlay the solutions that are being deployed across the enterprise. So our ERP, our our ERP is SAP. So we're deploying SAP Ariba. So that is the foundation. And then from there, we look at opportunities to complement that. So it's ensuring that we look at our full end-to-end procurement process. We look at the opportunities to drive efficiencies in that process through automation or through technology. We overlay the infrastructure of our, of our SAP or ERP implementation, and then we add best of breed applications to supplement or complement. So as an example, we have deployed a category management or category strategy development application that complements the ERP, and that's upstream in our process to aid in the development of our, of our category strategies. That's on our roadmap, and that's, again, to aid in the process execution and to provide support and efficiencies for category managers. We're also looking at supplementing upstream an intake process that identifies or supports an identification of a need for a good or service. And again, looking at what's the best solution that will complement SAP and allow for integration and for data flow. So it's really taken into consideration, again, your your baseline foundational infrastructure, which I would say is your SAP infrastructure, SAP S4, SAP Ariba, and then overlaying those best-of-breed applications as necessary. But again, they need to complement SAP. What we've found to be extremely important is the fact that we need our systems to be integrated. We need to ensure we have one vendor master. We need to ensure that we have really strong integration to allow for the data to flow, to allow for appropriate downstream reporting, to allow for appropriate compliance checks, et cetera. So that's where I spend a lot of my time is really trying to understand our digital roadmap and making sure that we are complementing SAP, but at the same time, ensuring that our global procurement organization have the tools necessary to be successful. Okay, good. Excellent. Thank you. And and you also spoke earlier about the importance of sort of piloting technology. So rather than just going straight into it, uh, it sounds as if you've sort of talking from experience there that sort of you, you've learned probably the hard way. I don't know. Is that a, a fair <laughs> statement to make? 
No, not necessarily. And it depends on the application. So when we deployed our new ERP solution, we did not pilot necessarily. That was a a change that was made at at our executive level. But when we looked at our category strategy development tool, we did pilot that because we wanted to make sure that it met the needs of our category managers. And once we understood the application, once we piloted it, once we ensured that it met our success criteria, we were able then to deploy much faster, right? Because we had won over the hearts and minds of our our team members. They saw the value. They were aligned with with the expectations and and understanding the positive impact of the organization. So once we completed the pilot, once we shared all of the great success stories and, and aligned with our success criteria, again, it allowed for us to go quicker. It allowed for us to scale and, and deploy across the organization in a much, um, much quicker fashion. I wouldn't say we've had any failures for not piloting, but I'd also say at Gilead, we haven't necessarily deployed very many large applications so I really don't have a lot of test cases to, to share with you. But the category strategy development application was a good example of where we aligned internally, we piloted, and that proved to be very successful. And then we were actually able to deploy that application even beyond procurement. So we have within our global procurement organization focus on indirect goods and services. So I would say something simple as indirect are the goods and services that are not identified on the bill of material. That is where we started the pilot. When we look to deploy this across the enterprise, we actually deployed this across our supply chain organization who manages a lot of our direct materials. So it allowed us again to build a roadmap that included our our indirect and direct side of the business. And with that pilot, again, we were able to show the value to that supply chain organization and they got on board fairly quickly. And and we are in the middle of finalizing those category strategies now. Okay. So once again, you're talking about promoting that success. You you said about letting the organization know that uh, that it's been successful. So it sounds like that communication is so important part of the process and shouldn't be underestimated or skipped over. Communication is, in my opinion, the most important part of any project, whether you're deploying a new digital solution, whether you're deploying a process change, it doesn't matter. It's all centered around your ability to influence and drive change, which is really centered around people. Right. And proper communication is very, very important. Ensuring that you're bringing those impacted individuals along on your journey is very, very important. And that's where I have seen the most success is where we spend a lot of time up front mobilizing teams and getting our stakeholder segmentation and mapping right so we can engage appropriately and, again, bring those folks on our, on our journey or along with us on our journey And I know I use that a lot, but I do consider this a journey. Anytime you deploy a new solution, anytime you deploy a new process change, it's a journey. Hmm. It takes time to set it up. It takes, well, first identify the need, identify, you know, the opportunity to close that gap, implement, and then the ongoing sustainment. So it is, it is quite, quite a journey. Excellent. And in terms of the final result, so actually achieving that return on investment, 
Is that something? Does a lot of work go into making sure that investment is successful, has been valid, and that you've made the right decisions? Oh, absolutely. That should be, again, part of that communication journey where you meet and you decide up front, what what is the success criteria? And included in that are what are our key performance indicators that we're going to monitor over time through sustainment to ensure that this new application is truly delivering upon what we set out to deliver, whether it be reduced cycle time, you know, whether it be, you know, reduced number of clicks, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. It can be, you know, a human element with regards to efficiencies in their process, i.e. number of clicks, cycle time, et cetera. It could be, you know, driving a better return on your investment through, through savings, there's a lot of different ways you can look at, you know, your success criteria. But yes, you should have a set of success criteria that's aligned with your leadership. You should be able to baseline that and you should be able to then monitor that once you've deployed the solution to ensure that you're meeting the expectations that were set out at the beginning of the project. I think that's a great recommendation because I know it sounds pretty obvious, but I certainly know of many organizations that just don't do that last part. It's like they're on to the next project. They don't actually evaluate whether it's actually delivered what it was set out to. But you're making it very clear that that is absolutely critical and should be part of that journey that you've been talking about. Well, but it's also important for that to be established at the beginning of the project in a, in, and it needs to be done in a cross-functional manner. So it can't be done in a silo by one function because the changes that we make within global procurement in most cases, have a direct impact downstream on our procure-to-pay organization and it has a direct impact on their KPIs. So we need to make sure that as we're developing success criteria, as we're developing those key performance indicators and our targets and our baselines, that we understand the process changes that we're making, the solutions that we're implementing, how those impact both upstream as well as downstream. And I'll give you a great example. There is an opportunity to better utilize catalogs. And I think that's something that every organization can, mm. can understand, which is driving efficiencies through, through catalog utilization, which allows you to have proper linkage to your taxonomy, proper linkage and setup to your GL mapping, proper understanding and linkage to price list and price negotiations, all of that being, being set up and being systematically driven. So when you select a specific product within the catalog, the individual requester does not have to manually select the taxonomy, the GL, et cetera, all that's systematically driven. Then downstream, that individual will complete their goods receipts. If necessary, they'll complete their invoice approval, and then that'll be paid. All of that upstream work and catalog setup and driving better utilization on the procurement side drives a better downstream straight through processing for our procure to pay organization. So again, if we pull catalogs off and we go to more of a free text requisition or, or something else, we need to understand the implication of that. Not to say any organization is going to move away from catalogs necessarily, but there is an impact when you make decisions within your functions. So you have to understand that impact upstream and downstream. Excellent. Any final tips, recommendations for anyone about to go through one of these journeys, implementation, anything else that, uh, that you think they should really look out for that, that we've not covered? Always take advantage of your external network and 
engage in conversations with folks in other industries to understand how they manage change, how they manage the implementation, how they've managed the digital transformation. Learn from others. You're not in this alone. There's plenty of individuals out there that have experience and knowledge and they're willing to share. So take advantage of, of your external network, lean on each other and really really lean in on that and then use those lessons learned to help set yourself up for success. But then also take full advantage of your internal resources and ensure that you're leaning on, on your internal resources and each other to develop and deliver the best work product possible. Because again, you're not, you're not doing this alone. This is an opportunity to, to be cross-functional. It's an opportunity to collaborate. And I would say collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. Like that is the best, best opportunity. And that's the best way to ensure a sustainable work product. Because again, you've had discussions, you've collaborated internally, you've met with those impacted parties, you've understood their need, and you've been able to communicate the value throughout the process. And again, it's all about ensuring that what you've deployed is sustainable. You don't want to waste all that effort and not have the solution live past, you know, a year of a year deployment, right? And then they, the system no longer is valuable. No one wants to use it. You want that system to be up and running for many years to come. You want it to be sustainable. So lean on, lean on each other. Excellent, Jennifer. Well, thank you so much for letting me pick your brains and for sharing the, the practicalities of that journey in terms of um, successfully implementing digital transformation. Really appreciate you uh, sharing all that, uh, that advice with uh, the CASME audience. So uh, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this CASME podcast. All episodes can be found on Spotify and the Apple Podcast app. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a future one. If you'd like to find out more about CASME's procurement events, research and benchmarking, get in touch with us at casme.com.